Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening or wherever you're listening from, welcome along to Blank Canvas. I'm Cameron Rawson, and this is episode 27 with Joe Cheadle. How are you doing? I hope you're feeling good. I've known Joe for a while. Uh, he's a friend and he's a fellow Doncaster lad. I've had many, many a drunken chat with Joe on his traveling escapades. And a few weeks ago, I asked him if he fancied a chat with me on here, and he agreed to do it. We recorded it and had a really, really good chat uh, about the culture of traveling, what traveling's all about, what he'd recommend to do, what he'd recommend to not do whilst traveling. It was a really good conversation. But before we get <laughs> into the fun, uh, I read a joke on Twitter earlier and I really thought, uh, well, I really liked it and had to share it. It made me laugh. And it read, <laughs> it read, I wonder if Hank Marvin gets offered a sandwich every time he introduces himself. <laughs> oh, I, I think he's great. I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, we speak about his time in Australia and New Zealand, working there, the pros and cons of traveling, tips for a new traveler, and much more. This is episode 27 of A Blank Canvas with Joe Cheadle. Welcome, Welcome to A Blank Canvas with Cameron Rawson. Cameron Rawson. So, Joe, firstly, thank you very much for joining me. Um, how have you been dealing with lockdown? What have you, what's, what's been going on? Have you been listening to certain tunes to get you through? Have you been watching certain things? Have you got apps? Tell me everything. Um, yeah, I mean, like, lockdown's obviously not been great. I mean, just across the board, really, isn't it? But, I mean, we've just got to get through it, I guess. But, like, yeah, it's, um, I mean, I can deal with it pretty well. Um, I'm into, like, I'm big into my video games, so I've been playing a lot of video games. and I love my movies and my TV shows and stuff like that, so I can uh, keep myself busy. But, like, maybe a bit of a routine, like going for walks and stuff and, I mean, like the last lockdown was pretty was pretty easy to deal with it because obviously we had the good weather. And I mean, this time round it's a bit more, you know, lock your doors. Cold kind of and thing. miserable, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess for someone like yourself, who we'll get onto it in a second, but you really love traveling, don't you? You really love sort of, um, you know. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. You love traveling. Mm. It's something that's always appealed. I think it's because of like where I'm from and obviously like coming from where I am in Doncaster and it's like obviously such a small town like it's something that's always appealed to me just because I think I picked up a phrase like travel broadens the mind and I'm a big I'm a big believer in that and it's life's too short to stay stay still in one spot so there's plenty of good stuff out there to go see and I mean I guess so would you have been had the pandemic not be a thing right now Jig do you reckon you'll have done some more traveling in, in the, I guess, in the last year because that's how long it's been going on for? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would have liked to, but I'm, uh, I'm at a stage at the minute, like uh, career-wise, where I need to basically I've, I've gone from one to the other. So uh, something I was in from basically leaving school and through, through my traveling, just doing hospitality and bar work. That was that was like a good you know thing to have whilst traveling. I've now made that transition. Well, I made the transition like almost. Um, I think it was like it was a it was a year gone last April, so however long that is um, into barbering, so that's the new that's a new profession really that's been chosen. So I mean, I would have been concentrating on that, but yeah, maybe like little breaks here and there, like not like you know long term traveling, but yeah, that would have been uh, ideally, yeah. And then obviously, funds is another thing. I mean, I've never I've never been lucky enough to um, 
to be to experience your barbering. Um, one day, I hope. One day, I hope. I know my brother Harry, um, who I'm no doubt will be listening to this podcast. He uh, he's obviously um, very much appreciated your uh, skills over lockdown and what have you. Um, yeah. So yeah, let, let, let's talk about all the cool shit you've done because there'll be people listening to this. Like, right, okay. Who who who's Joan? What's he about? So. You've been to Australia and New Zealand, or just which one or the other? Have I, have I got mixed up no, here? No, you're right, both, yeah. I've been. Right, so you've been to Australia and New Zealand. A lot of people tend to go to one or the other. I'd probably say people end up going for Australia mainly, don't they? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say so. I think it depends on what you're looking for. I think often what i found is, like, from people that I've, like, I've met through travelling, is they'll probably do it's it's pretty it's pretty normal for people to do one and then the other. It's usually Australia then New Zealand because if things don't work out like visa wise and people want to stay long term in Australia, you can obviously go try New Zealand and vice versa. So those well, who see, probably do is, New Zealand first or go do one. This is this is what blew my mind. I and I only found this out recently. And I think you're gonna be like, what really? But basically, I found out recently that you can only go in your entire life for two years at once, right? And then after that, that's it. You can't, you can go on a, what is it, a three-month holiday or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so how, it's that, I mean, it's it's basically loopholes, really. It's like, you know, you, you the I say loopholes, it's just the avenues you've got to take. You can always go there and there's always something for you. It's just right. whether you want to work, it's the, it's the work aspects of it and that long distance. Like, if you were able to go and fund yourself and like, you know, buy your own, if you had uh, loads of money in the bank and you'd be able to go out there and just look after yourself and it's no problem you know if you want to buy a house there and blah 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 it's just whether you know you want to earn money out of that country so you need to be right, like a, gotcha. a skilled worker or like like you're, you're, you're correct in what you're saying in like the two-year thing like the the working holiday visa is the is the popular choice for those you know it, it, it automatically gets you a year and then you can extend that to two years if you like that's in australia i think in new zealand don't quote me on it i think get you can get your year straight up, and if you want the second one, you just have to apply for it. But that may have changed. They're, they're, they're constantly changing from year to year. So you just obviously have to keep sending breath to that. But then there's, there's like skilled workers' visa. So, like the skilled worker, say they've got a desirable skill that you'd want in, you know, in, in Australia, say they're short on, I don't know, let's say teachers or nurses or police, you know, a desired skill, then that's another avenue to get out there. or you're going to set up your own business or you know there's different avenues to do but you're right in what you're saying that if if you do the run the course of your working holiday visa then part of the stipulation is you only have that once and then you can't have that again um and then if you did want to go back to Australia, as a british citizen you can spend i think it's i think it's three months maybe i think it, it's an avenue well, that, that, that's a holiday right that's yeah a holiday. as long as you're funding yourself and you're not trying right, to work gotcha that's what you'll see on these like border force programs where guys are trying to get into the country with like <laughs> like under like a, a tourist visa, but already got texts on their phone telling them when they're going to start work and stuff. And that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're nice. pretty. They're pretty serious with that stuff out there. Like those guys. Like I, if I'm honest, that um, I got a bit of a slap on the wrist coming home because um, I overstayed my visa by a week. Just a week. I mean, I say just. Oh wow! Still. And, and they weren't happy with that. Well, yeah, it was basically what it was is I was coming home anyway. Um, I was going to book my flight as normal time. Then when I spoke to my parents about it, because I was going to be flying into Heathrow, 
And they said, well, if you can wait a week, we're off that week so we can come get you. And I thought, obviously, not seeing the family in two years. And I thought, do you know what? Yeah, why not? Because um, there's a bit of... There's a bit of hearsay in the uh, backpacking community, well, at least when I was there and the people that I talked to, that there's a gracing period um, from the end of your um, the end of your visa, and that is you've got like a month to get yourself out of the country. And I just took that as like, yeah, that's good enough. That's uh, that's I'll take that as gospel. <laughs> why not? And that's that for everyone. So, <laughs> right, so okay. um, gotcha. I thought, yeah. And then when when I was getting through passport control, um, they looked at my passport and the guy looked at me and he was like. When did your visa end? And I was like, oh, this date. And he was like, well, what date is it today? And I was like, this date. And he was oh, no. just like, well, you've overstayed your visa, haven't you? I was like, yeah. He was like, you don't have to explain anything to me. And I was like, I wasn't planning on to, you know. But then I got sent over to this desk with this uh, this, lady, this lovely lady who was waiting for me at the desk, like, just to question me, basically. And, you know, when you get that sense of a person, you kind of feel like she's having a bad day. I got that oh, feeling no. immediately. Oh, and I just right. let her give me a good, a good, finger wagging telling off and then as soon as she finished i explained the situation like obviously i didn't have a return flight in one way i was going home not being home in two years i was flying to heathrow my parents are not to my parents they're gonna pick me up you know so i don't have to get from heathrow to king's west blah 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 make my own way back up north my parents could come pick me up and then she seemed to calm down after that so i think my charms okay. must have i must have charmed <laughs> her um but then yeah she uh she she explained to me that she um they they take every in, whether it's a day a week a month a year. Obviously, as you get more up, there is more severity to it. Because yeah, like you, like you say, if you overstay too much, like they can they will chuck the book at you. Like uh, I, I, a friend of mine who I was working with out there, he overstayed his visa by I think like maybe three months, nearly. Oh, just fuck, you know, that's not like yeah, that's yeah, much getting paid under the it? table and stuff. Well, he he had a job oh. lined up in New Zealand, but he wasn't ready and obviously need the money to get out there and then i think he got hit with like the three or five year ban so he can't return to us for for like three or five years but i think he's off in like sweden as like a head forager mm -hmm. of a of an amazing cocktail bar out there that guy's that guy's gone he's like, doing all right then places yeah yeah um yeah. all right so let's say let's say for example i'm listening to this podcast and i've wanted to go to new zealand or australia i've been really i've really been thinking about it or it's been something that's on the cards what would you say to somebody that's listening? I mean, there's so many stories I want to sort of extract out of you over the next half an hour or 40 minutes or so. But for someone who's listening to this now, like, okay, I'm considering going, you know, what's what's the pros and cons? Or is there any cons? Or is it just like, yes, get um, yourself out there? I mean, there is cons. I think there's you can make a little, like, I'm a big fan of a pros and cons list, but if you, uh, you can make a pros and cons list of, of either countries. And I mean, I think it's what you're looking for, really. I mean, you could definitely do both because it's like it's only like they're so close to each other as well and like the internal flights well it's obviously external but it's only four hours and it's just a hop skip across so not too far but i think with new zealand it's very much like i'll speak for myself like my experience of it was it's very like you've got you've got auckland well i only did the north island i uh I, when i went out to new zealand i was i was 18 at the time um, I turned 19 out of there, and I was still a bit, you know, green. And uh, it was a, we, I, I went with another friend, and we definitely found it tougher to try and find work just due to our age. And it, it, was, it was basically so. How, like, wait, so how old were you? Uh, so this, so when I went out to New Zealand, I was 18 at the time. I did New Zealand. Oh, right. At 18, turned 19. 
we did six months in New Zealand and a month in Australia, but we just did the holiday visa in Australia. We never got a working visa for it because we're only there for a month. And then right. we came. I came home for two years, went back out to Australia, two years in Australia, and then came home. And now it's been like, so I think it's on its way to five years or gone five years now. Time's gone quick, but I think, yeah, with uh, New Zealand, the, the cities like Auckland and Wellington, amazing, amazing cities and really like, you know, just uh, personally, I never thought I'd be that that big city guy. Um, I ended up staying stay most of my time in my in my second year in uh, in Australia when I went back out uh, in Melbourne. But the cities are beautiful. But then when you get to the smaller towns, they are a little bit dated. There is a little bit, you know, if you want in that thriving nightlife, you are going to have to stick to those cities. And if you get, but then you've got like Queenstown, which is the 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 mecca of you know. Bungee jumping, whitewater. What would you here. compare that to in the UK? Is, um, is this something you can compare it to? No, it's just not comparable. It's like Queenstown, like that's where the world's largest bungee jump is. I think it's called the Nevis oh. bungee jump. It's it's a monster. I would not be going on that. <laughs> oh, I'd do it in a heartbeat. It'd be incredible. I'd definitely do it. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a big scaredy cat when it comes to heights, but I mean, with that, I think it's just one of those bucket list things that you have to tick off. But then on the pro side of New Zealand, there's two big pros. One um it's it is middle earth like obviously you can do with the Tongariro crossing which is <laughs> the where mount doom is and that's the, like near uh, lake taupo that's and it's just picturesque it's beauty like we travel we did a lot of traveling via buses like you know they've got like the greyhound or the long distance out there they're called the naked buses but um it's a cheapo it's a cheap way you know and you get to see the country as you go driving through it and it's just unreal it is like another world but the, and then also, a good thing about New Zealand is, with it being so close to Australia, you haven't got nowhere near anything that can kill you, pretty much. And that's the that's the roll of the dice <laughs> that you've got. I mean, if you're in New Zealand, you're chilling. Um, go to Australia. Yeah. Um, as long as you stick away. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to talk in like my experiences. I hardly saw anything, really. Um, but... There was a few bits here and there, but I was living in like the more populated areas and like the busiest cities and stuff. Obviously, it's way too intense for those cre- creepy crawlers and all the snakes and the spiders and stuff. But yeah, it's something to contend with. I mean, it was the other stuff as well, like you know, like the bats and the you know things that you weren't expecting. Because then it's like, um, I mean, just going off on a bit of a tangent here. Like one trip that I did, um, I always forget the name of the island that I did. It was like a we did like a three day excursion driving. Uh, four by fours on this island and the island you go to is called oh it'll come to me in a second but basically it's, you go to a place called Ray, um, Rainbow Beach and then the island is uh, you go you get drive these four by fours you go onto this like boat let's say that holds all the four by fours on it you go across and that's where all the dingoes are but um, no, this island cool. this island like um, has 70% like one of the rules I tell you before you because obviously you're briefing about safety and stuff like that one of the rules is um you cannot you're not allowed in the water full stop like there is on the island there's like natural lakes that um well I mean whole lakes natural but there it's the water is just it's its own ecosystem like it evaporates it rains and it's just untouched basically so you can get to go in that water and that's fresh water inland but the sea is a no-go not even to like dip your toes because I think it's 70% of the shark migration goes around the island 
and um, the, around around the entire island is it's basically one big riptide. And for those that are not familiar with the riptide, it's like cyclone of water under. And this is Rainbow Beach, did you say? Uh, well, we, you go to Rainbow Beach, and then the island has got its own name. But for the life of me, I'm right. Oh, right. Okay, I gotcha. Um, but um, yeah, it's it always the. Uh, I think it starts with an M. Anyway, um, so the island, and then the the fish. So these these riptides will pull you in the water, and like as kids, I always get taught how to swim out of a riptide. Like I've been, I slipped into one in the sea once, but it was only like a baby one, and it just shot me out. But it's basically like a spinning cyclone of water under the thing, and it will trap you. And the reason what the what they do is, is the sharks can sit there because the this spinning cyclone of water grabs all the fish and spits them back out. So the shark can just sit there and wait for the fish to come to them. Like I was on the beach at one point, and literally from like let's say about from the water's edge to about six foot in the water, you could just see a few little fins chilling out there. You know, oh they, my they God. were there. They were there. Fuck that. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's I mean that's just like the majesty of it, really. And I mean, that, it's few and far between, but with, you know, encounters. Like, we went there, we were pretty poor timing and, uh, for the, seeing the dingoes. Because, um, I mean, the dingo, like, there's a lot of dingoes on that on the island, but it was uh, it was mating season, so they were quite reclusive. But if you were to encounter they were them, they were busy then, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much doing what dingoes do. But, yeah, they they say they're especially aggressive around that time. So if you did see one, you know it's the oh, old fuck, right. it's the old make yourself big and intimidating and kick sand at it till it goes away. But that never happened. But I think one of the things that I didn't expect was on the evening, it just turned into as you can imagine with the back, all the backpackers there, um, there was plenty of beer flowing, and it was a uh, it was a raucous night. But it was all you know everyone around like on the like around the campfires and everyone getting to know each other, and then you could go down to the beach and. Obviously, because on this island there is, it's, it's literally a tiny, tiny island. It's like you can drive around it in probably like an hour. Um, there's obviously no pollution there, so the clarity of the sky is just unreal. It was like you could walk down the beach yeah. with no lights or anything like that. The moon and the stars are so bright, and then the plankton has a special kind of, I don't know, maybe whatever it's in its diet or whatever reaction it has with it, but the moon light creates the, makes the plankton glow it's like little glow oh my god this is this is oh mate this is sounds so, too good to be true yeah it's, and then I, I literally took a moment i was walking down to head down some there was a group of people down there partying on the beach and i was walking down and i just took a minute just you know i, I found myself doing that a lot like not living through my camera lens like you know obviously taking pictures here and there and for good for prosperity posterity but you know like look like take it in, realize where you are, and that was that was one of those moments. That, like, that's a, is it some? Is it is it like a kind of like a picture perfect place to go? Like a, obviously, I've never been, so it's mm. like the only thing I've got to the only thing I can sort of either imagine or see is through photos and videos and stuff yeah. like that. So is it is it literally representative of all these incredible photos and videos you see on the internet of places like New Zealand, and Australia? Um, I think it doesn't do it justice. Like you, it definitely gives you a good idea, oh, wow. idea, but. Once you actually see it and you actually do it and you and you're there in person, like I'm a big like uh, going back to what I just said there, it's like you know people just you know get the phone out, click, see ya, and it's just you know put it on the gram or whatever and get those likes and blah blah blah. But you know if you if you actually you know taking the majesty of it and like what you're actually seeing, it's like like you're saying about it being idyllic, like and photogenic, like it's the whole 
the whole coastline. So basically in Australia, like you've got up from like Sydney to Perth on the east coast. That's where a lot like majority of people live, um, like Aussie wise. And then across the other side, right across the other side, you've got Perth on the other coast. Um, and then you've got like down the bottom, southeast, like you know, towards Victoria State, you've got Melbourne and Adelaide, and there they're like the major cities across. But the rest of it is just, you know, if you're willing to go out and trek it, like you, there's people who live out there that are like 200 k's away from their nearest neighbour. You know, there's it's the country is ginormous. Like it's it's longer to fly from. So Sydney's right on the east coast, like near the like the south of the east coast. If you flew from Sydney to I think it's Sydney to Thailand, it's four hours. But to fly from Sydney to Perth, it's four and a half. So that gives you an <laughs> yeah. idea. That gives you an idea right, of how yeah, big. Yeah, yeah. So you wow. could get a, you could get a bus from Sydney to um, to Perth, and it's like thirty two hours. So, yeah, it's, it's I'm just looking big. at a map of Australia now. It is. Mm. Um... New so is like New South Wales and Queensland are like the, the most popular. Are they, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, they're the states. So obviously Australia is broken up into states. So you've got um, New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria, Western Australia, uh, Northern Territories, and Southern Australia, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah, South. Australia. Yeah, but yeah, like you say, Sid. Obviously, Sydney is just like you know your first port of call. I think all in all, I spent about a month in Sydney, but not um, not all at once. You know, maybe a week here, two weeks there. I've, so I've heard from I say I've heard. I don't even know from who, but I've, I've I'm sure I've been told in the past that Sydney is isn't as like I don't want to say the word nice, but isn't as um, tourist friendly as it comes across, or is that just bullshit? Um, I wouldn't say it's bullshit. It was similar to my experience. There's a saying that I picked apart there that is, if you like Sydney, you won't like Melbourne. If you like Melbourne, you like Sydney. Sydney to me was very London, you know, very busy, squashed, a lot of things going on. Uh, but I mean, going down to the Opera House and seeing the Harbour Bridge, like there's this, those things, those cliche things you have to do to tick off to see. And like, there's people I speak of that speak fondly of Sydney, like there's people who I've met through my travels who, you know, landed there and stayed there and you know they'd go off and do their little travels here and there you know like holidays within sydney but uh, within australia sorry but they'd always gravitate back to sydney um i didn't find that and i personally we when we first got there we kind of stuck to the to the sleepy seaside towns like i lived on a um I, the place i we homed in on at first was a place called noosa which is on the um just a few hours north i think it's I'm not sure which state it falls into, but I can't remember now. But yeah, that's on that's on the east coast, and I lived on a little place called Sunshine Beach. I mean, what a great place! What a, the name gets, says it all, really. And like those sleepy surfer towns. But then as there was there was four of us in total, including me, that were all, we moved as a little group eventually. Me and a friend went out in the November, and then our two other friends um, came out and met us in the February, the following February, I do believe, and then. We had to go off and do our farming, and then after we did our farming, we made the move to uh, Melbourne just to give it a go, and there was no looking back. Melbourne is just perfect for me. I think it got like voted, <laughs> like, I think it was like the best city to live in in the world, you know, like five years in a row, and it's beat, it's coffee beats the like, Italians for the best coffee in the world. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's pretty snobby when it comes to that stuff, and I mean, I definitely <laughs> leaned into that skid while I was there. I pretended like, I mean, I don't even like it. I don't even drink coffee, but I mean, I uh, I make a good coffee. Well, I did, I did at the time. Um, 
but it's a little bit more. You got you feel a bit more relaxed. It's got a bit more breathing room. Like the Yarra right. River, which is a is a, a large river that runs uh, quite a span across Australia, that runs right through the middle of the city, um, and then like that's right down by like the harbour side, and you've got like the casino and you know all that area and the Eureka Tower. And being there for two New Year's Eves, I was you know and Christmases, it was like that. Oh, I I worked Dallas. yeah I worked in a in a bar or a restaurant. It's not the building's still there, but the, the bar and restaurant I worked in is not there anymore. And, but the uh, the build, you know, like when you see on the TV when the countdowns happening and all the fireworks yeah, going yeah, up and yeah. stuff. I was that That's was that. where that was. I was literally like two hundred meters away from from the building where, like the tallest building in Melbourne, which the uh, the Eureka Tower. And it was just, you know, the atmosphere was buzzing, and it, that that was another one of those moments where you had to stand and take stock a little bit, and you know, like you don't get to do this every day. So, I mean, yeah. it, could, it could well it could well be this moment, but. And I imagine there's probably quite a few moments, but is there any is there any sort of big moments that you kind of remember? I mean, I, I guess there's fucking tons, but any that really, really stick out as being mm. euphoric or sort of you kind of had to stand still and go, "Wow, this is like this is something else." I think I think for me, it's like thinking about it. There is like yeah, I mean, I was just saying there with like the New Year's and you know like the big events and stuff, and like with Melbourne, like there was so much stuff going on like you know throughout the year so summer is that like december like it's november december and then it's obviously really busy like drinking culture and the eating out culture like you just finish work go for a couple of pints go home get changed and come back out it's just the city is always buzzing <laughs> and, then, um, and then obviously you've got new year and then it goes oh, i can't remember how it goes now but then obviously you, you've got a race season similar to what we've got here in doncaster you know like a four-day like race weekend it's the melbourne cup that's huge and then that goes into the Grand Prix, and then you've got the um, the Open, the Australian Open comes, and then there's always like something going on in the months, and then obviously it quiets down in the in the winter months, and it does it does get surprisingly cold. Like I was walking down the street one day, and I was like, Ooh, I actually need to put like a hoodie on. I mean, I was looking around, and all the horses <laughs> were in like boots and scarves and woolly hats and all that jazz. It wasn't that bad, but um, I mean, we're kind of used to it. But I think I think for me, one big things that one thing that stick out in my mind was maybe I'd had a couple of beers the night before and then I'd woke I'd waken up with a bit woken up with a bit of a hangover and I'd just, you know, roll out of the I was in the I was in the hostel dorm at the time, just roll out of bed, stick some shorts on, stick a vest on, stick my foot flops on, and just walk down to the beach, two beaches within a choosing of walking distance. Ah, leave my kit ah. on the beach, dive into the sea, <laughs> hangover gone, sun is on, go meet the boys at the bar. And then get back on the base, and that was a that was a Wednesday. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, and then <laughs> you're just like this. You know, you're just sitting back. The breeze is flowing. It's a beautifully hot day, and the beer's cold. And you've got good company. What what more do you need? So would you would you say that backpacking culture is a is a thing? It is a culture of its own with oh, people backpacking from different countries. And and sort of a follow up question to that is is it something that you'd kind of recommend to anyone in their 20s or even you know i mean what what age would you say is a good time to do this kind of thing can you can you do it in your 30s or 100 i met people i met people who had had you know like real like high flying jobs you know like the pressure of the city had just got to them and they i mean it's a, it's a bit easier for those who maybe are not you know got responsibilities like say obviously it's easier said than done for someone who's maybe you know kids wife house blah 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 
But for someone who's, you know, not got any ties or anything like that, or maybe if they have got a significant other with, uh, who wants to, you know, who's willing to up sticks and do it for a little bit, uh, why the hell not? But yeah, I met those people who they'd had enough of the rat race and they, they, they were just like, I'm done for a little bit. And they went out and do it and you're just mucking together. And I think, I think one of the big, after speaking to certain people about it, I think one of the big intimidating factors of it is, you know, is it's like that new, starting a new school feeling, isn't it? Like, am I going to make any friends? Is anybody like me? Is it, you know, it is intimidating, especially if you're going to, and those who do it on their own, I will do take your hat off. Like the, 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 the couple of times that I did it, I went out with, you know, friends and people and, but it's just birds of a feather flock together. Like it, the hostels just promote well, yeah, that, true. you know, yeah, there's always going stuff on the hostels. There's meet and greets and everybody like, you know, gets on a goon and, you know, gets drinking and, I went halfway across the world and bumped into people from Doncaster and that, you know, like it was genuinely crazy. Like, but there's, and then there's people, you know, the, the path that's traveled like is so common. Like you'll, you'll meet people at one part of the country and you walk into a bar and then all of a sudden they are there, they're there. And there's just so many people who were in the same boat as you. It's too, it's too easy to make friends. And because you're out there, you know, maybe on your own or just a couple of you, and they're in the same boat, you make firm friends fast because, like I say, they're doing the same experience as you. Like, then there's so many people in the same situation. Yeah, maybe you go to these hostels and there's got those, like, long-termers who've got that little bit of a quickie thing going on. But, I mean, that's just something in your own head that you have to deal with. But, like, like I said, I'm so welcome and I've made really, really, like, firm, good friends. Like, there's two friends of mine that I met traveling consider really really like really close friends and i go visit them down in london uh regularly i've got friends out in australia my, well so i had to come home and the three friends that i was with that was with out in australia they're actually still there and they're now at their i think they're either at their residency slash citizen state citizenship stage of their stay so they're they're now you know firm you know roots are planted in australia i think they've wow. just moved into their own uh, got their first house actually um, but I think that they managed to stay because after the working holiday visa, you have to get uh, what's called a sponsorship. And if you haven't got a skilled trade or, you know, maybe your own business or something like that, um, the, if you haven't got that trade, it's harder to get sponsored. So they were both chefs. And the, the third person was the one of the other lads' girlfriend. And she could stay on it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, she she could stay on his visa as his spouse. So, but then she's got her own sponsorship visa in her own right, and then she's got her own visa in her own right now. But um, those oh, well, guys back got then she had. Say right. so. No, but as in like back then when they first wanted to settle, yeah, she was she acted as his spouse on his visa. Yeah, because his sponsorship, um, I think it's like the I think the government look at it sort of like as a quality of life thing. You know, it's like you're out here on yeah. your own in a foreign country. If you could have family out there, then. They can help you do that. It's like, for example, if I went out there and I was a citizen and my brother brother wanted to come out, I think I could sponsor him if I was, you know. It's sort of like yeah, vouch, yeah, vouching for them, basically. But the, the two lads, Steve and Josh, they are chefs. So they got snapped up quick time. And I mean, they're both very good chefs in their own right. And like, that obviously helped towards it and like what, what they've got in their repertoire for it, but um, towards, you know, the chefing game. But Good chefs are—they're crying out for them out there, and they—they uh, they found themselves, you know, in uh, some good situations, business-wise, in order for them, you know, to stay out there. And they've just gone through the process. I mean, it's not cheap. Like you do have to—you have to save up some money. I think it's like 
maybe for your residency, I can't remember what they were saying now, but it's like it's like ten ten thousand Aussie. And that's I think that's I mean, your rate of payout there is pretty good, but that's still like you say, it's a lot of money to save up for that. So you have to be you have to be aware of the, there is those, you know, hurdles. if you wanna if you wanna if you wanna give it the try and make the stay, there is that that hurdle you have to get over. So I've got to ask, um I wanna I wanna hear or can you tell me the, the, the wildest sort of experiences or situations you found yourself in that you're happy to, to happy to share to people as well, obviously. Nothing that you're not seeing on Because I mean, I've heard yeah. some of the stories and I, I can't imagine that they're, they're particular, you, you're wanting to share them to the, you know, the general uh, uh, public or whatever. But to anyone listening, they're going to, I mean, if I was listening to this right now, I'd want to be like, right, come on, tell us something that's like crazy that happened or the craziest, wildest thing that happened to you. Yeah. Okay. So maybe like the, the more cliche, like, crazy like you know like wild weekend is like if you're looking for a good night out i mean i can speak for melbourne for sure and it's like i've i've personally you know like this you hear these crazy stories but it's like you could quite easily that like, go out on a friday and be out till monday morning like there are places <laughs> open like yes. there's happy hours going on at like 12 in the afternoon you know it's it's crazy and like there's been some mad experiences out there like with that but Let's just put it like I've been down some deep, dark rabbit holes and we've made it through the other <laughs> side with my fluffy white tail dirtied a little bit. But uh, we made it. We made it. And that's the most important. But I think maybe the more like crazy side of it for me, like what wasn't fun, the one that immediately, I'll just say the one that immediately springs to mind is when, so in order, so you get your first year done and dusted, like you've got that underlined when you get your working holiday visa. But if you want your second year's visa, you have to um, you have to do um, eighty eight days farm work. So that's picking fruit or whatever work you can find. Like a lot of girls can get work being like au pairs, you know, like looking after their kids on like Why family farms days? and stuff that's like such that. A, that's such a weird like. Yeah, it's no. like three months, but like yeah, eighty eight days or eighty seven days. It was like yeah, it was an odd number to me too. But basically, what you can do is you can look between certain pokos, it's basically anywhere that nobody's living or the smaller towns where all the fruit and the veg needs picking, they send out all the backpackers because I think they get X amount of million backpackers a year. That's a big workforce that you can use, you know, because none of the Aussies want to pick the fruit. Like I was speaking to some of my friends out in, uh, who are out in Australia in a minute and they're having, a, you know, obviously with the pandemic, I mean, they're back to, you know, just not life as normal pretty much. They've got out there at the minute, but um they've got no back obviously no, there's no backpackers out there at the minute because obviously they've had to return to their home countries and there's nobody out there to pick the fruits or do anything like that because none of the Aussies want to do it and they can't get any of the workforce so, so who the fuck's doing it then yeah who knows man who knows <laughs> i mean <laughs> so like, the, people, you know the people who are strapped it's an interesting crash. topic you bring yeah definitely definitely i mean like it's that's i was so obviously i was in the hospitality game out there and they were working the bars and everything and i was so one one of the girls I was chatting to, Erica, she was telling and Lois, that was a friend from here, they were saying about how it's nigh on impossible now because they're in a similar situation where people have been losing their jobs and working from home, et cetera, just similar to here. Um, and they're getting people interviewing for jobs who are like, you know, maybe you'd look at them as overqualified for bar work, like air hostesses and been doing this job for 15 years and blah, blah, blah. But these are all like older Aussies, let's say, but the backpacking community, like I was working with Italians, Brazilians, uh, Germans, French, like all, all, every nation you could think of, like places you never even heard of, people who come from and they were working there. Um, 
and there's no one to work the bars or anything. So that's like they, Erica works in like HR, like recruitment for like this hospitality group, and that like there just is no one. And the stat, the the M for the first time like ever in the bars, I think out there like the employee has the power. Like there's people out there getting paid like thirty five dollars an hour and getting dinner breaks paid for them and stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> Fucking it's crazy. What? But going back to the, we'll come back to that in a bit. But I think, but going back to the. Uh, the crazy story. I think one day, which does really stick out in my mind, and me, me and my mate Steve, we have a really good laugh about this, is when we were out doing the farming, we'd kind of missed the boat on the on the orange season. Like that's what was where the place we went to. The place called Mildura, um, which is just so like so close to the. Uh, it was in Victoria, but it was about an hour away from the New South Wales border, and that's where we ended up to do our farm work. And it wasn't the most to put it lightly, the most ideal of places at the best of times, but we, we managed it. Um, we were struggling for a bit of farm work and bills needed paying and we needed some food. So uh, we uh, we ended up, you know, well, Gumtree out there is like a good place to find work and find stuff. Um, there's another story about Gumtree that I'll share with Steve and it's probably one of the best pranks I've ever had, but like, let me tell you about that in a second. But we got <laughs> a, um, a job to build a circus and that that was what? pretty wild. Yeah. What the fuck? They was right, just... hold on. Can, can we, yeah, let's talk about this because this is this is the kind of shit I was also I was I, you know because it's not something I can go up to you and go right, Joe, tell me about that circus situation because <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know about it. So yeah. yeah, tell me about this circus. Situation. Yeah. So basically, Steve turns around to me in his usual way, like he just goes, "You right, boy? Got us a got us a day's labour if you fancy it." Or I think it was it was meant to be a couple, but it ended up turning into one big day. It was meant to be a couple of days labor and then uh, maybe a job like, you know, doing tickets or whatever. But it was basically just, you know, fetchers and carriers, like lift this, fetch that. Well, what we understood as such to for building a circus. So, yeah. And I was like, yeah, it pays. Let's do it. So uh, we rolled up. I had my steel toe caps on. Steve was just like, what are you wearing them for? I was like, mate, it's like, you know, it's like an Aussie standard, man. Like, you've got to wear steelies, like. If you're going to do some manual labor, you're like, nah. Steelies, I love it. There's yeah, a name yeah. for them, Steelies. Oh, yeah, there's the acronyms galore out there. They love it. Like, the abbreviations <laughs> are crazy. But, um, and he, he was like, nah, and he was wearing these like super like thin, like, you know, like van runner type things. And I think, I think maybe minute one, he picked up a pole and dropped it on his toe and they're in a throw kit. Fucking hell. But that's whatever. Oh, Jesus. Um, but it was just, it was just crazy. And like the Aussie way, I mean, like, not to paint him in a bad light or anything, but, the health and safety over here, out there, and I'm a chuffing field day with those guys. Like, it was crazy. Like, I was, you know, just fetching and moving these metal poles, and then it got to the point of where um, this Aussie guy just comes up to me and he goes, you right, mate? I was like, yeah. He was like, just come with me a minute. I was like, all right, cool. And he was like, yeah, you see this, you see this, this goes to get this bit, this goes for this bit, tie it together, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh, just, just, to, just to clarify, I may come to a surprise, I've never built a circus before. Um, is this important <laughs> and he was just like he was just like well yeah mate it's a circus I was like alright cool I was like he was like you'll be right and that's usually the, the answer is you'll be right don't worry about it so I tied this thing together haphazardly you know it seemed to have fit I get someone to check over the work the answer was it'll be right alright cool and then as it later turned out that was like one of the main like fixing points of the the inset, which held up, you know, the big top circus, you know, the big tent, <laughs> as they were like racking it up. And then it was just flashing before my eyes. I was like, maybe a week later when the circus was in full swing, there'd just be a headline, 
hundreds dead in horrific <laughs> circus. And I was like, that was me. Freak free uh, accident. Freak accident, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the big top suffocated all the lions and everything, but yeah, whatever. So, I mean, that happened. Jesus. Yeah, that happened. And then, uh, yeah, we built a circus that day, which was, uh, which was pretty Where was that? That was in a place called Mildura, which is uh, in Victoria. Not too far from Melbourne. Not too far. Well, uh, I mean, that's... Yeah, it's, oh. It's, I feel so. Is is backpacking just full of experiences and just random oh, yeah. stuff which you can't even write? I mean, you can't even write that. You, when you were just telling me now, I was like, and the way the way you were telling me as well is that I was like literally picturing everything, like you just mm. you know with your steel with your steelers on, like doing all oh, this yeah, kind of shit. Like a right. Um, but yeah, oh, going back to the to the other one. So obviously, like getting your days signed off is like music to your ears. Like that's what every backpacker wants to hear. They want to get these eight eight days done. So they can enjoy the rest of the, you know, you, you, it's up to you when you do it in your first year. You can do it when you, straight away when you get there, or you can wait halfway through. You know, it's up to you. As long as you do these eighty-eight days, get them signed off. When you apply for your next year, you've got what's called a, I think, I can't remember now. I think it's the ABN number, and then that number um, um, is like the official number that you need, and then the government, you know, like check it, and they'll approve or disapprove, like you know, your, your second year's visa. Well, I had just a little rubbish phone out there just you know needs must and then i had my actual phone from england but obviously couldn't you know use it out there blah blah, blah and that's what i used for the internet and things like that but i had this little phone and then there was i was out we were out shopping one day with my friends and uh my phone like it, well the night before it rang and i had a guy ringing me up asking me about the farm work what farm work was available um like days i was setting up and things like that and i was like mate you've got the wrong number so i put the phone down but it wouldn't stop ringing so i turned it off then the next day, I got I said, and the phone just ringing off the hook every two minutes and going, hello, hello, hello. And then my mate said, what's up with you? And I was just like, oh, well, these people keep ringing me up asking me about farm days. I was like, I don't know what the hell's happened, but they keep asking me about, like, you know, um, what farm works available, when I can come. And then I've got, it got to the point where I started having a laugh at it. But basically, I had to get rid of that number because it just, I had to turn my phone off. And, like, I missed a couple, like, important work calls because my phone was literally from one phone putting down to the next. It was just ringing, ringing, ringing. And then it, I, I, they kept it under the wraps, the three bastards, for about six months. Steve had set up a gun page ad saying, with my name, my number, saying I was offering free accommodation, pay, all your days signed off. You know, that set up like a fake <laughs> advertisement of this fake farm. And then that I had to get, and that, and that, they kept it under wraps that day. I was, we were shopping and he was, they, Obviously, I didn't. I didn't suspect a thing. I mean, more stupid me that suspect a thing. But I was like, I was just yeah, gobsmacked. And I mean, Steve did get the title of prank king out there. I mean, there was there was some pretty high level pranks going on between me and the other lads, and it got pretty got pretty intense. But I mean, Steve will forever hold that title at the minute. I think until until I make my triumphant return. Hopefully I've got a similar story to uh, similar story to that. I remember a housemate I had years ago. I went onto Gumtree and put uh, giving away a turtle to a safe home, mm. and put his put his mailbag number as the uh, <laughs> contact. And he came into our room and was like, "Mate, I'm getting like 20 texts here about a turtle. Have you a turtle? Have you got any idea?" And I was like, "Nah, nah, yeah. nah." And then he getting, kept getting calls and stuff like that. But um, pretty funny prank. Um, yeah. So I want to uh, ask you a few more questions, and, I, and then there's one more question I ask as well. All my guests, but I'll get to that in a second. So, so someone's listening to this, like I said earlier. Someone's listening to this right now. Any advice you can give them on 
you know, a few sort of tips, hints on how to approach going out there. Because obviously you've had a fuck ton of experience. Right. Any little bits of advice you'd be like, don't do this, don't do that, that, that yeah. you'd have loved to have been told yourself. Yeah, uh, maybe. I think one of the big ones is until you're ready to settle down and, you know, maybe get yourself like some accommodation, you can travel like you really, really can. Like, don't be hocking around all this madness. Like, you see people with big backpacks and suitcases and stuff like that. And for me, like, I met, I met a guy who was, he gave part of the advice on me when I did my first trip around in New Zealand. He'd been traveling the world for like five years. He'd been everywhere. He was a kid from Newcastle, or Nosebury, I think it was Newcastle. And uh, he, he had the smallest bag I'd ever seen. And he's like, when you've been traveling as long as I have, you know what's in the sense and what's not. And uh, there's cheap enough stuff to, you know, if you're working as well, there's cheap enough stuff to buy the way. So travel light's a big one, I think, for that one. Travel light's a good good piece of advice there. You uh, you definitely don't need whatever. And um, um, enjoy yourself. Um, life's for living. If you can do it, do it. Um, definitely go. Don't be hesitant. Go in with both feet, I think. Is it like, stressful? Is it is it a somewhat stressful experience? Or is it after a while you kind of, Fuck the stress off. In the beginning, yeah, you do. I mean, I'm quite a uh, meticulous person, like traveling, like planning wise and stuff. So, I mean, planning ahead is always good, but I mean, that soon dissipates. You get into the beach, you, you'll soon you'll be wearing, you'll be wearing, you'll have nothing on your feet, you'll have ball shorts on, you'll have your tank top on, you'll be sun is on, walking down the street with a beer in your hands, not caring the world with the sunshine. Oh man! So uh, uh-huh. yeah. Don't worry good. about it too much, I guess. But yeah, that becomes uh, second nature after a bit. Um, and well, firstly, thank you very much for doing this, mate. And the last oh, no, question no. I ask every single one of my guests, um, and that is, if I gave you a blank canvas, what would you paint on it and why? Mm. Um, I, I, truthfully, I um, from looking on your Instagram and stuff like that, I knew this question was coming. So I mean, I've done. I, I was thinking about this, and I didn't want to give like some like little cliche answer and. Like maybe like cringy answer, but basically I think what currently what is going on and um, currently like with what's going on in the world and obviously what we've been talking about my experiences and stuff like that was obviously been keeping yourself busy at home during this lockdown. I've you know like learning about things and seeing, and I recently discovered the meaning of a the you know tarot cards. You know like you know predict, you know that turn the cards. Oh over right, and, okay, okay, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I saw the. Um, it was it was actually through a video game I was playing recently, and it had the tarot cards in there, and I was reading about that and uh, the meaning of the card of death because I got I got the card of death, and uh, that seems intimidating as you know to, you know the term death and like thinking about what's going on in the world. It's not probably not the greatest image, but um, it's also it's not so much a, the overt symbolism of death. It's it's the death of one thing and the beginning of another. So I think that's quite a oh, quite a point that is interesting. Point here. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know we. Um, we can leave leave things behind. Decide if you're going to go travel. You can leave your old life behind and start your fresh and new. So I think I do my own interpretation of that tarot card. I think. Well, and, that's uh, awesome, mate. Thank you. Yeah. Great answer as well. Yeah, um, no, I, uh, yeah, I cheated a little bit, like I say, but I've been thinking about that. One. So yeah, <laughs> pretty proud of that. <laughs> well, well, thank you very much for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. Oh no, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Blank Canvas. You can follow us on Instagram at A Blank Canvas Pod. Or you can like us on Facebook, forward slash a blank canvas pod. If you want to contact us for any reason, it's hello at a blank canvas pod.com or visit our website, a blank canvas pod.com.